Adam, you just seen somebody setting up in their car. Yeah, there's two look like two two potentially participants or crew members for the uh, one of the races this weekend. Lots of races going on at the Revolve 24, and they're trying to fit a inflatable mattress into the back of a Range Rover. So as you might be able to hear in the background, the music is definitely playing over there on the VIP party bus. It's more of a bus, but it's definitely where the party's at tonight. And the weather's closing in a bit. It's going to be a bit cold. We've definitely zipped our jackets up and we were told that it's not going to be much sleep during the 24 hours even for us but we're very excited to be here This is the Story of the Event podcast for Revolve 24 2017. This podcast is going to be dedicated to hearing why people are racing and what the participants are making of it, all the different nuances which you maybe don't think about, and to try and give you a feel for what the race and what the event is actually like. That we started with was Friday evening, and let's hear how it was when we woke up on Saturday morning. It's an incredible morning, the sun's definitely come out. The frost is getting off the grass, and all I can see in front of me is Lycra. We're heading towards the team trial and trial. It's about 8.30 in the morning. Had a bit of coffee to wake myself up after a night camping out here at Grants Hatch. So let's go speak to a couple of the riders. Dan Metcalf, he's a hand cyclist and widely known as legend. Yeah, it was really good. It's a tough course, obviously. It's uh, really hilly for us dragging your backside up the hills. Difficult with arm power and not legs. Uh, and we can't get any weight over the cranks, so we're just pulling and pushing all the time. It's really good though, I really enjoyed it. What's your kind of story, how did you get into the kind of hand cycling and why are you so passionate about it? Um, I got visited by a guy, uh, an international racer in hospital, um, Kenny Herriot, came to see me and he put me, he showed me what he does and put me into the thought of hand cycling and I, I was always into sports and training anyway, so I, I wanted to be in sports, um, so he showed me that way forward and then I went and saw Chris Madden um, at Draft Wheelchairs and I, I got in a hand cycle and didn't get back out of one, <laughs> that was it. I uh, just want to go, keep going forward really. After kind of today's team time trial, what's next? Is there kind of a big challenge on the horizon or what's next for you? Well, next is in hand cycling for me is uh, hard winter. Uh, I need a really, really, really heavy hard winter this winter um, to catch up with some of the other lads. I got dropped behind a bit last year because of doing a, a massive extension on my house for my disability. Um, but now it's all set up, there's nothing stopping me now. The Revolve 24 start is about to take place. There are hundreds and hundreds of cyclists opposite side of the racetrack to their bikes. They have to run towards their bikes, clip in, which is a very difficult challenge for those who don't know there. Jason Kenny's mum is going to head the pack off in the Lamborghini safety car that we have here at Brands Hatch at Revolve 24. There's a lot of men in Lycra. There's a lot of people doing press-ups, warming up on the track, bit of high heels, as they're about to run across the width of the track, jump onto their bikes, clip in. There you can hear the Lamborghini and get ready for the big, exciting start of this 24-hour race. The riders are just coming past on their first lap and they're going incredibly fast as we just see riders of all ages and ability come past on their very swanky bikes and especially in their, oh, some dashing Lycra. 
but it's an incredible start to the race and it was incredible watching them all sprint to their bikes. It was a bit bizarre. Some clipped in very quickly, didn't they, Adam? It is. You almost think that that start should be accompanied by the Benny Hill music as they run from the pit wall over to the far end of the track. But yeah, it's a really, really fast start. They were pushing that Lamborghini. The Lamborghini driver, as he came past us to start the official first lap, had to put his foot down. And there was a large group just behind the Lamborghini that was formed. And the pace was very high. If they're going to keep up that up for 24 hours... They're going to be very, very impressed. And we saw Julian Ryder, who was in that front group. He is trying to beat his record. He's going to have to go at some pace to try and beat that record. Revolve 24 isn't just about the main 24-hour event. There is also three other events. There's a team time trial this year. There is a 12-hour race and also a six-hour race. I can tell you for sure that I'm going to volunteer just for the six-hour next year or maybe even a team time trial. Uh, but nevertheless, Adam, which one do you fancy? I think we should enter you next year. Well, put it this way, if you're going to have a team time trial, you're going to have to find someone else. I don't even think I could can complete one of the laps, to be honest. Oh, I'm sure you could. You're, you're very modest. No, I genuinely think it's, it looked, and I'm sure I could, but certainly not at the speeds that some of these cyclists go. The 24 hours, but they started off very, very quick. And it, the, some of them are maintaining a consistent speed. And that is really the key to endurance race, trying to get that consistent speed where you feel all right and you can go all the way for the 24 hours. But going back to your question, I don't really fan, fancy any of them, Ollie. But having said that, I think hearing some of the stories here at Revolve 24, some of the inspiring p p participants, I think it just shows you that when, when, you put, when you put your mind to it, when you go step by step, building up to it, the training, anybody can do it. So actually, if I did want to, then I'm sure I could do it. But uh, Oh, fighting words from Adam. We're going to see him next year on the start line. But it's a very good point. And hearing from a lot of people is super motivational. And it really gets you thinking that, God, I should be running my bike way more. I should be doing way more. And hopefully you guys feel like that a bit. So we caught up with some of the 24-hour racers who have some pretty incredible stories. Starting off with Gina Clear, who was the soloist winner uh, last year for the ladies. So, Gina, you're back again at Revolve 24. Yes, I am. It's the best um, event on the calendar year. I love it. And in terms of the how you started cycling, I believe it all started for the Cycle to Work scheme. Yes, I bought a bike um, three years ago, just literally to toodle to and from work after I lost my horse and suddenly discovered that I really enjoyed it. And then Re Revolve 24, the first one was 2015. You, you, never really met the, you never met the people. Just tell us about that first experience of Revolve 24. It was really quite exciting and scary all in one because we'd um, made a group through Facebook. Um, so literally I put an ad out asking for some team members um, and we arrived and it turned out that the chaps were very good. So I felt a bit out of my depth to say the least, but I had a wonderful time. And then you were, came back last year, decided to be as a soloist. What, what, did you love it that much you decided to go all by yourself for 24 hours? Actually doing the solo I found was easier than being in a team because it's just you out on the track rather than having to worry about how you're performing for other people. And I read a, a story about what, what, what you had to eat and how you, you, you fueled yourself on, the, on last year's event. Just tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so um, I survived on three packets of, um, sorry, three pots of Muller rice and a packet of Watsits. Um, I'm, I'm really, really fuel efficient, so I don't need to eat a lot in between. Marcus Lopez, co-founder of the Outcast Facebook group and 24-hour participant. I was a member of, you know, many, you know, different Facebook pages and everything. And I was, you know, getting a lot of hatred and, you know, sarky comments and everything. And I was like, you know, why do you, you know, if you have a nice bike or if you have a crappy bike or whatever it is, why do you have to, you know, to, to, to have all these kind of, you know, reactions and everything when we should all, you know, stick together? I think we have enough hatred from, you know, 
drivers and you know and, and, and you know other road users and everything so why should we be you know clicky and you know roadies against mountain bikers mountain bikers against fixies and this and that so I, it really started as a bit of a of a lounge for like half a dozen friends who just wanted to talk bike without negativity and stuff and it you know it, it picked up from from there and now we're almost 4,000 why are you here to this weekend at Revolve and have you done it before and kind of what's the reason behind your ride? I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, uh, an amazing challenge. <clears throat> I'm a very good friend of, of Hugh Bunn and everything, the organizer and stuff. And when we, when we you know, started with the idea of coming to, re to the Revolve, I was struggling to put up uh, uh, a team of eight together. And so I said, no, guys, I think it's worth it, 24 hours. You know, it's for the banter, really, more than competing or anything. It's just, you know, to be, you know, with the, with the guys, you know, in the, the, the pit box here, you know, talking and, and having fun. And obviously, it's an amazing venue. You know, the, 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 the course is amazing, really challenging. It doesn't look that challenging, but, you know, once you're out on a bike, it is really, really challenging. So it's just just for the fun, really. No, no, you know, we are obviously we are quite competitive, you know, among themselves. But it's it's mainly for the fun. Stu from Road CC and 24-hour participant. We've been involved with Revolve since year one. Okay. Um, we put our first team. We have our own cycling club, part yep. of the website. So for us, it's a great way for us to bring some club members and for us to get to meet. We finally get to meet our readers and to bring them to an event like this where we become a team really really good and so that's why we continue to come back because we can bring new members and enjoy the event and, yeah. okay um and so for OTC is this sort of, sort of the events that you'd like to do big 24-hour races and stuff like that is it I imagine it's quite a big one for your audience yeah yeah we've um we've done a few other 24-hour <coughs> events um but it's a great way that we can get as many members to join in the team as uh, as possible and I think there's a lot of people out there which probably wouldn't try a 24-hour event because it sounds so daunting. So for us to be able to come and write a piece for the website to show yeah, yeah. when you split it down between us, that it can be fun and it's a good laugh at the end of the day. A huge part of the atmosphere here at World 24 is the food. Let me tell you, it really does cheer you up when you manage to grab that piece of food after kind of being here for 24 hours. Uh, have a little sleep it's a really great event and i'm having such a great time but the food definitely cheers you up and it's not bad at all um so we're going to take a walk over here and first up to my left is the gothas waffle house we've just seen jason kenny has his have his waffle made by our very own rebecca charlton but for nevertheless most of the waffles are all made by their wonderful staff and we're going to go speak to them now so i'm here with tom at gustaf waffles why did you decide to come to revolve 24 event and are you enjoying it so far well, we actually, um, last year's event we were here as well, and we applied to um, sell our waffles at the event, and Hugh and Vicky, the organisers, thankfully got back to us and said, yeah, it sounds awesome, waffles, and we did really well, and we thought, got to come back again, and uh, luckily they liked us enough to invite us back, and it's been great both years. Is this something you kind of do full-time, your waffles going around the country? We're not full-time, actually. We do um, one or two events a month, on average. Um, it's usually busiest uh, in the middle of the summer and Christmas time. But yeah, we both got jobs as well. What's the key to the best waffle and what's your favourite waffle topping? That's a good question. Um, my favourite waffle topping is easy, it's banoffee pie. Magda, what's yours? Um, probably bacon and maple syrup. Yeah, and what's the secret? I'm trying to think. What's the secret to the best, the perfect waffle? All in the dough, Magda says, I agree. Yeah. It's all in the dough, the perfect dough. It's got to be soft on the inside and crunchy on the outside.
right next to Gustav Wassels, we have Palm Springs, which is a little, very cycling cafe, selling some merchandise, selling some little coffee cups, and with a great latte, I can attest to that. I had one this morning, it woke me up brilliantly after my night camping out here at Brands Hatch. So as I come back down the hill, there is a brilliant little pizza bar, which is doing hand-cooked pizzas, I've heard a lot of really, really good Raven reviews about those, and I might try one later. I haven't got around to it yet. But next to it is the VIP bus, which is where the alcohol is served here at Brands Hatch. You're not allowed alcohol in the garages, so everybody comes here onto the bus, have a little drink, and then have some fun upstairs. There's some music, a little booth as well. It's not too bad. So as we go along, there's the last two burger bars. The big competition here, burger bar next to burger bar. And there is Gourmet Steak Burgers, which I can test has brilliant fries, not bad burgers. The buns weren't brilliant. I'm going to put that out there. But then next to it, they have Have You Pulled Yet Today? And it's all the pulled pork stand. And that was very good. They have Texan beefcake. They have lamb and a couple other things like that. Their burgers were great. Chips weren't quite as good. So my top tip to you guys is get the burger from pulled pork and get the chips from Steak Burgers. Just heading out in the steward's car here at Brands Hatch with the race director and we're going to go have a look out and meet some marshals and talk about their experience at the race. I'm here at post 18 with Paul, one of the marshals here at Brands Hatch. How are you finding it this evening? I imagine it's also quite different to maybe one of the usual events that you do here at Brands Hatch as it's a 24 hour event. It's very different, yeah. First of all, we'd never be this side of the barrier. The normal event would be behind the um, barrier and wouldn't come out this side ever, you know. But... um. Plus, it's middle of the night as well, which is unusual and uh, very dark. <laughs> yeah. And slightly different mode of transport than you usually get much faster and louder vehicles. Yes, fast, much, much faster and a lot, lot louder. Noise is a problem at times. Is, you know. But um, yeah, this is different. It makes a change. You know. It's been good fun. I'm here with Graham, uh, one of the marshals here at the Revolve and Brands Hatch event. How's it going so far? We're kind of eight hours in. Uh, yeah, it's not going too bad at the moment. I've uh, been pretty quiet in my little sector, but um, I've heard over the radio been quite a few kind of people with chains and punches. But, uh, not too many crashes, that's good. No, luckily. How did you get into marshalling and what brings you here today? Uh, mainly, I marshal with uh, car cars, mainly, motor cars, uh, so it's quite a, a different environment being around all these cyclists. Before we get back to the show, check us out on social media. We're at The Cycling Ramble on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. It's 5am here at Brands Hatch. I've just woken up and it's incredibly foggy out and my first thoughts are, could they even ride in this weather? I can't barely see past my car window let alone out long distances on the track. So we're going to head down to the track and see if they're still running. At the moment, I can't see any lights going around the track, so I'm slightly worried that the event is cancelled. It was 1pm before any of us got to sleep last night, and so as I wake up this morning and I walk around the pits, I'm still nervous to know if the race is carrying on. And it's on. I can see a dim bright white coloured light out there on the track and there goes another one the race is definitely still on at least there's a couple of people doing it and oh my god what a, what troopers what incredible human beings are going throughout this fog it should be light at this time in the morning the sun should be starting on its way up and you should be able to see the track much much better but the fog is firmly in place here at Brands Hatch 
They're cycling a bit more in bunches as they were at about 1am. At 1am it was very individualistic. Lots of the riders were on their own and not really thinking about let's cycle in a bunch and it'll be quicker. It was very much let's just get through the night, let's bunker down. But you can see a couple little groups going around now and the race is still on. And let's go speak to some of the people about how they dealt with the fog and how they dealt with the cold and the wet overnight. So the sun's just started to rise and I'm here with Matt outside Garage 3. What was it like? You just told me that you were riding at 3.30 this morning when the fog started to set. What was it like riding in the fog? Uh, you can't see very much. You've got a couple of guys, uh, not very bright lights. You're sort of on top of them and then uh, going around them. Uh, a little bit hairy in places. It's a little bit wet on the track as well because the fog's quite moist. So um, you're riding into sort of like a wall of water. Get a bit wet, a bit cold, but just push on through it. Was it a case of you kind of have to go a bit slower, um, especially around the bends and stuff like that? No, it's not too much. Um, track is drying out quite nicely, actually. Um, so the bends were fine. Take them at whatever speed you want. <laughs> um, but the, uh, say, the water in the air is uh, conscious of it. The visibility is definitely improving. Does that kind of make you feel better and you get more cheerful? Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, in the last half an hour, see, it's gone from pitch black to uh, fairly bright at the minute. Um, so uh, hopefully it will uh, start burning the fog off, give us a bit of uh, motivation as the sun comes up. Make a nice picture as well. I'm here with Louise outside Garage 22. You've just finished your stint. Thank you very much for speaking to me. How was it with the fog? It started to clear now. Does that make your spirits go up? Definitely. And so especially as actually it feels like the sun is up there beyond the fog. The problem for me is that I'm a glass wearer. So um, actually I spent, I guess, the first couple of laps not really seeing a great deal because I couldn't see out. <laughs> but it definitely is getting a lot better. So everyone who's waiting to go out, this is your time. When the cold and when it was really foggy, how did you go around the corners? Would you have to be really careful? Um, and was it a case that you, at one point, could you, could you not see anything? Yeah, there was a couple of times when actually there was just no one in front of me and coming through uh, the first corner paddock. You know, it can be a bit unnerving, so you've just got to just keep the white line on your right-hand side just a little bit, you know, in view and just, just keep into yourself. I mean, don't go too mad. Just check, check your gears and just... Uh, just uh, cross your fingers a bit. <laughs> Why are you riding Revolve 24 and how did you get to this point? Why a 24-hour cycling event? Well, I'm part of the Sufferlandria national team, so we do a lot of Sufferfest videos. And uh, we're a mad bunch of people. I've done uh, 10 videos back to back, so I'm known as a knight. And this just seemed like the natural evolution to do an endurance. I'm in a team of four, but the hope is that, you know, maybe I'll do a six-hour time trial by myself for 12 hours. So, you know, this is the first step in, uh, in a long journey. In the morning of the 24-hour event, there was a changeover in one of the categories. In the male solos category, Julian Ryder overtook Thies for Brugge. But before this happened, I went to speak to Thies' parents about why such a talented young rider was taking part in this 24-hour event. He was uh, hoping to be in the lead, so, so far so good. But I think he is a little bit at the end of his, of its, of his strength. I think he has uh, give a little bit too much in in the middle in the night, so I think he has a little bit of a breakdown now. But I see he's he's now in a in a group with uh, six or eight people, so he is yeah yeah. We see. <laughs> <laughs> I think it definitely in a group will help, and also with the sun coming up, maybe it kind of lift his spirits as well. Yes. Um, why is Tiss riding and kind of how did he get into 24 hour cycling? It's not the most usual thing to do. Oh no, Tiss is oh, he's, he's a little bit, uh, if it is uh, extreme, 
it's yeah it's it's a thing he four years ago he was uh, riding a motorbike so he was also doing uh, the endurance races in uh, in france three hour races two hour and a half so and uh, yeah he he let the let the bike the motorbike go and now he's on on the other bike so yeah now he uh, he's uh, trying to specialize his skill for for the 24-hour races has he done any other 24-hour races what's his history in terms of i imagine he went from motorbikes and gradually built it up and kind of increased the length of the events yeah he started in belgium on the circuit in uh, in zolder uh, 12 hours uh, 24 hour the 24 hours of zolder and then uh, he came in contact with the baum team so and he he is uh, doing he is uh, he did a, a year of uh, integrating to the team, looking how he is done, and so he is uh, yeah, he he is spotted to do for Baum the, the solo races. He this year he won Sandford. Okay, wow. Yeah, and uh, fifteen he has won uh, Zolder the twenty four hours. Yeah. He won the tw the twelve hours for, from Zolder. So yeah. Three weeks ago we went to Le Mans. There he was ill, so he has to. He has uh, give up after six hours. He was on uh, antibiotics. I purposely tried to not talk about the results in this podcast and just focus on the stories. If you want to hear more about who won and how the different classifications worked, check out our previous podcast, um, more which is more results focused. Um, but one result which really did stand out was Jason Kenny's King of the Mountains win. You might have heard of him, he's a six-time Olympic gold medalist, and I sat down with him before the race to find out why he was at a 24-hour endurance event, because it's so different to the track cycling he's used to. How are you doing this morning? How's you, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, good. Looking forward to getting started in the 24-hour. Are you doing the 24-hour in a team this year? I believe your team is called Team Bailey? Yeah, that's it. We're Team Bailey. Um, like Bailey's of Bristol, the camper van. Um, very kindly provided us with uh, shelter for this trip um, overnight. So yeah, we we're, were much more prepared than last year. Last year we kind of just turned up and, and we're looking forward to kind of um, doing it kind of a bit more properly this time and hopefully going a bit better. So last year you won the King of Mountains here at Revolve 24. Are you planning on trying to go for that again this year? Um, I'll give it a little bash if I feel good. You know, I think that I got a bit, you know, it's about picking your moment. Last year I got it, I think, on my last stint out. I just got lucky. I got a bit of a run off the corner there and it warmed up a bit and I got a bit of a toe to the bottom of the hill and then just, just got the perfect opportunity. So you need like kind of your stars to align. Um, but yeah, it's certainly it's nice to get something. It's nice to win something. I'm not sure you need your stars to align. I'm sure you've probably got a bit of an edge on most cyclists here in terms of kind of being able to sprint for that kind of distance. Yeah, it's nice and short, which obviously suits me. So, why have you got into kind of long-form endurance events? You're famously a track sprinter, which is over much shorter distances. Um, why does this type of cycling kind of appeal to you? Uh, this is kind of like a hobby, I suppose. You know, it's good. Obviously, we do a bit of road for conditioning and things like that, and obviously just because I enjoy it. Um, but for me, this is just about a challenge that you do as a team. You know, you kind of work together and, and you you got to dig in. And, and just to get to the finish line is an achievement in itself, really. Um, obviously, we'll be looking to beat our total from last year. Um, and, and yeah that, that's kind of what it's all about it's just that challenge really that I really enjoy
That was the final countdown for the 24-hour event, and what an incredible race and time it was. It was such a great weekend, and I enjoyed it so much. And it was completely amazing and inspiring to just be there and hear everybody's stories and be around a really incredible group of people. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It's slightly different to how we normally do things. It's more of a kind of a documentary feel to this episode. Um, but we'll be back to our usual scheduled content next week. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. We really appreciate all the support. Thank you for listening.